Have you encountered gold balls? Is always one of the leadoff questions anybody should have in any conversation. Have you encountered gold balls yet? Everybody and welcome to episode 97 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Miguel is not here with me today. If you don't know, there was a giant storm that formed and hit Mexico, and then some of the remnants of that came and hit us, and some water damage got in his house or something, and he wasn't able to make it. But luckily, we have a guest on the show, uh, Mike Martin. How are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. If you don't remember Mike, we've had him on three times now. Uh, he's one of the founders of Nightshade Comics, and we've supported their Kickstarters ever since they started doing that. Uh, the Blood and Dust, Life and Undeath of Judd Glenny story, which I absolutely love, by the way. Thank you. And uh, we're happy to have him here. So we're going to try to do the show like we normally do. I'm going to start off by talking about my top three books for the week, and then Mike is going to kind of take us on a blast from the past. So first up, my number two pick for the week was Wolf Number 4 by Alish Cott and Matt Taylor. Uh, if you haven't been reading Wolf, it's a story about a supernatural detective kind of guy. Um, he's basically immortal, but we don't really know how he gained his immortality. It was obviously something he did later in life that gave him this ability. And he's working with this weird group of Russians. They're like the mob, and they've got some kind of hold over him, but we don't really know what that is yet. And they've sent him out to find this girl who was the daughter, the only survivor of this mass murder where her entire family was killed except for her. And he's got her. He's got her safe in his apartment. And in the last issue, he went and he helped one of his friends, who's a uh, Cthulian, who's like a, a squid monster, fight against his landlords, who are these uh, vampires who have been raising his rent unjustly. <laughs> so uh, he goes and he fights the, the Cthulian's battle for him. And the vampires relent and say, okay, fine, we'll give you the, the discounted rent, whatever. And then uh, the leader of the vampires gets pissed off about it and tries to come and kill Wolf in his sleep. Unfortunately for him, Wolf's not a newbie at this, and he's used to getting attacked. And when the vampire comes in, he throws holy water in the guy's face, knocks him unconscious, and then drags him up on the roof and ties him to his chimney, and then just waits for the sun to come up. And, you know, he stands there until the guy's burned to a crisp and then goes about his day like nothing happened. Uh, he finds the girl, you know, they, they go to meet the Russian guy. And one of the big reveals in the first issue is that the daughter's name is Anita. Her name is Anita Christ, which is kind of funny. <laughs> And, uh, of course, the Russians double-cross Wolf. You know, when they get there, the first thing they do is shoot him. They know he's immortal, but they also know that he can experience pain and he can die temporarily. So they do incapacitate him by shooting him, which just pisses off the girl. And she lets her demon side come out and basically whoops her dad's ass and, and all of his henchmen. And it's a pretty graphic, pretty awesome scene. Um, I'm really thoroughly enjoying this book. Uh, it's one of Alishkot's best. Uh, if you've never checked it out, I can't recommend it highly enough. But, uh, yeah. Wolf is just awesome. Have you uh, have you seen that one, Mike? I have not, but I, I'm I'm fascinated with the thought of uh, being able to drag my landlord out in the sun and then no longer needing to pay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that that premise alone pretty much has me in the in the win category. It's it's a really cool book. I mean, I like Alex Cott. He's a great writer. Uh, this is probably his best series to date. So what uh, what company is that out on? Uh, it's Image Image Comics. Oh, so it's an Image book, right yeah. on. Yeah, uh, and that was my number two. My number one was The Beauty number three. And if you don't know what The Beauty is, it's another image book. Um, the Beauty is an STD that people are trying to get because when they contract it, it 
basically makes them perfect. Uh, all of their flaws fall off. They, they lose all their weight. They become muscular and femme and fit, and they just look beautiful. Uh, so it's this STD that's kind of taken the world by storm. People are trying to find people that have it and have sex with them and get it. Uh, but then six months after they contract it, they kind of spontaneously combust. And nobody, <laughs> nobody knew that was going to be a side effect. Um, <laughs> some police detectives have figured out that that's what's causing it. And one of them actually has the beauty and he's trying to, he didn't, he never wanted it. He was, uh, accidentally given it to him by his, uh, wife or fiance who had cheated on him and caught it. And he was really pissed when he, when he woke up and found out that he had it. So they're now desperately trying to figure out who created the beauty and how to fight against it because he doesn't want to die. Um, and they find out that there is actually a cure. Uh, there's this anti-beauty resistance movement that one of them is a scientist who was responsible for the lab that helps create the beauty, and he developed a, an actual cure for it. But when Big Pharmaceutical found out that uh, it was going to be cheaper and more profitable for them to uh, treat the symptoms of the beauty, like prolong people's life for another six months for a, a high cost rather than outright cure it, uh, they kind of threw him by the wayside and refused to fund him anymore because they didn't want to cure the disease. So now the cops are working with this anti-beauty resistance movement. The government's pissed off because they're involved with Big Pharma, and they've all gotten together and hired this uh, serial killer who only stalks victims that uh, possess the beauty, and they've hired him to go after the detectives and try to kill them. So there's like a major gunfight in this issue, and you get to see the serial killer take out like a whole room of armed guards. and uh, It's just a really visually stunning book. Plus, you know, it's a, it's a real fun premise, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading more. And the creative team behind that is Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley. Um, like I said, another image title and one that I cannot recommend highly enough. It's great. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. The, um, the cool thing is I love that there's so many books that are tying in, you know, current stuff that is completely feasible and believable. Yeah. Y- you know, I mean, that's all, all of that entire premise is – is completely valid and, and something that you could easily see happening. Um, you know, I mean, but, but on the other hand, the other part of me always wonders, you know, when you, when you think in the creative vein, where do you get the inspiration from? And the only thing I could think of when you did the, it was an STD that you spontaneously combust is the old Eddie Murphy bit from delirious. Like you stick your dick in and you blow up, boom, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, well, somebody watched delirious and then, you know, boom, we now have a comic. I'm sure that's so, where a lot of ideas come from was like old movies or old books. Oh, they just kind dude. of give them a modern twist. Absolutely. No, I mean, you, you find inspiration. I find inspiration from my stuff from music all the time. So, you know, no, I, that, that's not a thing. That's a, that's a funny concept that you can take something that small. I mean, obviously, it probably didn't come from that, but it's still funny. Yeah, it's just great. And then uh, my pick of the week is actually a Marvel book, uh, new number one, Uncanny and Humans number one from Charles Soule and Steve McNiven. Um, this is taking place after all the events of Secret Wars and Axis and Original Sin and all the stuff that's happened in Marvel. Uh, If you've been reading the all-new, all-different stuff, you might have already kind of realized that nothing really changed from Secret Wars. I mean, there's more characters in the standard universe than there was before, and, you know, some teams have been shifted around, and and some things have changed, but the world in itself basically seems the same, and continuity hasn't really been disrupted like we thought it was going to be. So uh, this particular issue, Black Bolt and a small team of Inhumans are trying to track down Black Bolt's son, which was given to Kang in exchange for the ability to defeat Thanos back in Original Sin or Infinity. I don't remember which one, but um, Black Bolt basically made a deal with Kang that he'd give him his son in exchange for the ability to do this, and now he's trying to renege on that. He wants his son back. So they travel back in time to the original Attilan, which is like 13,000 years in the past, where they know Kang is holding his son hostage, and they try to break in. Kang catches them, 
and sends all kinds of armies throughout history and the future, and like there's dinosaurs fighting them, and it's just a really crazy clusterfuck with all these different kinds of armies coming against them. You know, and it's Black Bolt, of course, so he's going to win regardless, but uh, it's still really cool to watch. And then at the same time, you have a story going on in modern times where Medusa is working with Beast to try to find a cure for the Terrigen infection that's killing all the mutants. So behind the scenes, the mutants and the humans are working together to try to stop the extinction of one of their species. Uh, they're also trying to figure out a way to come to terms so that there aren't any more you know, infighting between the two of them. And then at the same time, you find out that Medusa has a new boyfriend in Johnny Storm, which is really kind of odd. But uh, all in all, it was, it was a real fun read. Uh, I, I loved the Black Bolt fight. The Medusa and Beast stuff was kind of interesting. The Johnny Storm thing was really strange. Um, but it was a good number one, probably the best number one this week. So if you're looking for something new to try out, uh, I'd say go for, go for this. It's pretty good. Right on. And uh, what about you, Mike? I know you haven't read anything recently, but we were talking earlier. Uh, you've been going through some long boxes and looking at old books. Uh, what, what were you talking about before? Yeah, so, you know, my wife um, didn't come from, from nerd heritage, you know, uh, until she got with me. Then all of a sudden she's been possessed to, you know, learn everything. Um, so, you know, we were going through, you know, some of my old stuff that I had from, you know, 20 plus years ago just to kind of look through and um, found uh, the autobiography of Lex Luthor. And I couldn't even, um, I can't remember who the, the writer and the creative team on it was, but it was, it was just kind of a really cool thing because, you know, she read it and, and she was like, you've got to read this. It's so much like um, the Daredevil um, show, our TV show. So, um, and it, it really was, it was really cool because it was very reminiscent, uh, reminiscent of the, the Wilson Fisk kind of, um, you know, behind the scenes, you know, manipulation of everything, you know, same thing in this story is a really just great story about, um, you know, talking about the, the business side of Luther and, you know, keep in mind this is a book from like the early 90, uh, probably like 91 or 92. And, um, you know, so it was, it was kind of in that, you know, really gritty style, very noir style, very Frank Miller kind of style of, of art and everything. And it was just a really cool book that, um, you know, gave you that interesting perspective of Luther. It was a, you know, kind of a Watergate told from the reporter side of things. Um, and Clark Kent was being framed up um, for, um, uh, for the re- murder of this reporter. And uh, it's just really kind of a, an interesting thing. But you, you, you kind of see how things like that, you know, going back to my earlier point of what, you know, influences other things. And you can see where if, if this were something that somebody read, you could see where they would be like, yeah, we can totally kind of go this way with the character. I love books that do that, look at like a different perspective of the character and kind of give you more insight into why they are the way they are. You don't really see that too much, though. Most of the time, you get like a surface read on a character, and you know the, the best books, I think, are the ones that really give you that in-depth look. Yeah, especially in the villains. You know, you know, I was listening to an episode you guys had with Colin Bunn, and you were talking about he, you know, his stuff where he does with uh, Sinestro and Magneto and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and and I think those series are 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 really interesting, and and it's always great to see from the the villain's point of view or what you know is seen from the villain you know when you in you have your everyday interactions with people and just in your everyday things where you work with normal people you go god that guy's a dick (laughs) that guy is just such a fucking asshole but if you look at from his point of view he is not an asshole at all nobody's a villain to themselves nobody is a dick everybody's a hero in their own story (laughs) exactly and so you know to to read those kind of books where you've been villainized for so long i was I was telling my wife she should read The Mists of Avalon because, you know, that's the, the Arthurian legend, but from Morgan Le Fay's point of view. Yeah. You know, and, and those are just such uh, way cooler ways of looking at things. So I, I love anything that kind of gives you that, especially if it's been a long time and, and see from their point of view. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. And I've never read the autobiography of Lex Luthor, but uh, it does sound pretty cool. Uh, maybe if I could find a copy, I'll check it out. Yeah, I'd recommend it. I mean, it's old and good and snows if you're going to find it, but it was very cool. Cool. Well, that brings our uh, comic talk to an end, at least for current and older stuff. But uh, let's move on to talking about you, Mike. Uh, what has Nightshade Comics been up to lately? Well, you know, that's the, the fun part is Nightshade Comics is not so much Nightshade anymore. Um, you know, we, we started off doing Nightshade because, you know, we were just breaking in. You know, we did the uh, Kickstarter. And, um, you know, really when we did the first Kickstarter that we did, we were just hoping to, um, you know, recoup some of Adam's money back that he had, you know, put to uh, making the book and just getting our, our story out there and hoping that, you know, a few people would like it. And um, that was really the whole long and the short of it. We wanted to continue on. I mean, that was certainly something we wanted to do, but ultimately we didn't know if that was going to happen. Uh, we didn't know if people would like the story. And so, you know, last year we debuted at the Tucson Comic Con in November, um, you know, after the Kickstarter funded, after we, you know, published the book and everything. And we had such a, a good response and, you know, you guys loved it and, and so many of the people that we talked to loved it that we decided that we'd go ahead and, and, and see what else we could do. Um, so, you know, we talked before on the last show, we got Roy as our artist and uh, Roy Allen Martinez. And then we got Raymond Lee as our colorist and, and Kel Nuttall as the letterer. We did issue two, um, and we came on the show and talked about it for the Kickstarter. And unfortunately, that Kickstarter didn't actually um, fund. But, you know, we, we went ahead anyway and, and produced issue two because I had promised that I would have it at Phoenix Comic Con in um, uh, June of last year. Right. Uh, or of this year. And so we went ahead and did that. And so um, the cool piece was is that um, at Phoenix, we got picked up by um, Action Lab Comics for their Danger Zone line. Um, so Action Lab Entertainment um, picked this up. And so if you don't know Danger Zone and, and their line of books, um, um, you know, you'll recognize usually um, Zombie Tramp and Puppet Master um, and uh, Holy Fuck, uh, Nick Marino's book, which is doing really well right now. Um, and, and, you know, so it's more of their hardcore line. And, and so we got to be announced at, um, at um, San Diego Comic-Con. I got to get up and and have my book announced there during the uh, Action Lab uh, focus group. And so that's what's happening is next year we actually are debuting in um, late spring, early summer. We're going to be um, out nationwide um, awesome. through Danger Zone. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. You guys absolutely deserve it because it's a fantastic story, at least what I've read so far. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so for, for our listeners who may not have heard the old episodes and don't really know what the story's about, do you want to give them the brief rundown of it? Yeah, yeah. So um, – Blood and Dust, The Life and Undeath of Judd Glennie is the story of America's first vampire. Um, he was uh, a Civil War soldier that after the war ended, he went west on a, and was trying to um, cleanse out his, his soul because he was a pretty bad man during the war. Um, he was the most vicious um, person that, that was on the southern side. He um, rode with Quantrill's Raiders, which was the same group that had uh, Frank and Jesse James and the Younger Brothers. And, and so he... Um, you know, he's a very bad man and did a lot of bad stuff. And, and he um, headed out west to uh, try and cleanse himself. And uh, on the way, found a woman, but, you know, couldn't make that work. So he just went and uh, found a Native American tribe that he was living with and a shaman that uh, was working with him to cleanse his spirit. And he uh, went on a spirit journey and, and was possessed by the spirit of the vampire. And so he uh, rode the west for years as a, as a terror and, and uh, you know, told, lived through that story. But... Um, where the story picks up is he ended up having um, a family he didn't know about and uh, ends up turning them 
And so now he's got a granddaughter and three great grandkids. The granddaughter is completely insane and she had brain damage when he turned her. And uh, so he babysits and, and takes care of these kids that are six, eight, and 10 years old that don't get older, don't mature. Um, they don't become like Cloudy and become these wise little beings in these little bodies. They're just little monsters that um, he now has to babysit and take care of and, and protect from the world. And he does a great job of it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say he's probably the one that you want, you want babysitting anybody's kids. <laughs> um, you know, discipline around the Glenny's house usually hangs, uh, comes from hanging from the wall uh, by a knife through your shoulder. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I love the new art. Um, not that I didn't like Adam's art in the first version of the book, but I love the new art. I love the new uh, coloring. Um, I'm really digging the Swamp Monster. Um, just everything about the book. I, I can't wait to read more. Well, thanks. Yeah, man. It's, it's you know, um, Adam did the inking in the first issue. It was uh, Rudy Vasquez that drew it. And, and Rudy did a great job, and it was, it was really cool. But, you know, when you, when you look at what Roy does, and if you've been, you know, I know that uh, I, know I repost a lot of stuff from Roy that's not just mine. And um, Roy's work is just, it, it's like a nightmare on a page. Um, the, the dude is just crazy talented. And that's why I love working with him, because the, the detail he puts into things and the, and the, and the true feeling of, of horror. And that's really what we wanted to, to bring back to this, you know. Um, our vampires don't sparkle. They don't fall in love. Um, there is no um, friendship. As they should. As they should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, we wanted to bring back, you know, the, the real horror to things, you know. And, and to me, there's that, that's what it's really all about. And, and I think that's the great thing is there's a big turn towards that again, um, you know, with The Walking Dead and so many other things like that. People are really um, going along that genre, and, and that's, that's a, a great turn back to the better, you know. Um, I agree. I, I think we had a whole lot of, of dudes prancing around in lace for a long time that, that kind of needed to stop. <laughs> Actually, that, that reminds me. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Heather got hired to go and uh, perform because, you know, she's a violinist. Uh, she got hired to go and play at this vampire ball here in Houston, and I had to tag along with her. I mean, they, they didn't pay her a whole lot, but they gave us free tickets to attend. Um, it was in kind of a shady nightclub downtown, so I wasn't going to let her go by herself anyways, but we went, and there was a whole bunch of the you know pomp and circumstance, where all everybody wearing lace and big yeah. powdered wigs and acting like they were... <laughs> And, you know, they're, they're all bowing to each other and talking with weird accents. And, like, there's a couple guys next to us that got in a fight, and they were, like, hissing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just ridiculous. That's really the only way I could put it. And I was like, this is not vampires. This is, like, nonsense. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the fun part, though. You know, I mean, I, I, growing up with this stuff, I mean, I, I've loved Anne Rice, right? And Lestat and everything. And those are all great books. And they're, and they're really cool. But think about it this way. From our point of view, you know, that's why I really like to emphasize the first American vampire because there is something very different about being an American, and especially in the, in the time that Judd comes from in the, in, during the Civil War in the, in the 1800s, man. You know, I mean, while, while you had uh, a man from Tennessee that, that, you know, just, you know, has his family and is just in southern craziness that is the the south during the civil war period when you'd be over in europe and you would have the a totally different kind of scene going on and everything and i, I think that's kind of the cool thing because the, the fun part is is there are because um, i have so many freaking arcs for this book lined out it's ridiculous already um but there's going to be the point where you know like i said he's the first american vampire 
Right. Um, but there are Europeans, and and when he meets them, it becomes really, really funny. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's it's. It I can is, imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, your your redneck rage is going to come out of that. Plus, he's so much stronger than they are. Um, so it, it becomes hilarious. Um, you know, one of the things at the at the at San Diego when I announced the book and I was talking about it um, up on stage afterwards when I came down and you know this uh, girl asked me she goes, well you know isn't that against the rules to to turn a child and um, you know isn't there going to be some sort of group to come and 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 say something about it you know and that's that's from like the Camarilla and Vampire the Masquerade and Vampire Mythos and everything and I'm like that's the that's the cool part about my world is he would welcome somebody to come and try and tell him what to do. Yeah. Um, that, that'll be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't play by other people's rules is the, the feeling that I get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he gives it, he gives less than a damn about anybody or anything and, and, and has no problem with that. That's, that's the fun part about it is, you know, we're, we're kind of doing a new theme with the, the book right now, which is, um, not all comics have heroes. And and Judd is definitely not. He's not even your antihero. I mean, you know, you look at your at your Punishers and everything. There's there's lots of things that kind of still go on um, with him. There's not nearly as much. Well, I, was, um, so. I was thinking about how that relates to what we were talking about before the Lex Luthor thing. That everybody's a hero in their own mind, but in Judd's mind, he's really not. Because you even hear him tell the guy, "I'm not a good person. I'm I'm the villain. I'm the bad guy." Yeah, yeah. He's he's the the villain trapped in the situation where. I have to be this way, but believe me, this ain't my nature, and I don't want to be here doing it. It's very cool. You know? Very cool. Well, there, there's a lot of things that are interesting about the book, and you know, I, I can't even imagine where you're going to go following the Swamp Monster arc, but uh, what I've read so far is all related to that, and I'm excited to see the conclusion of that. Um, how many issues do you have like already written and ready to go once the book starts getting produced? Um, the, the arc that we're in now is a six issue arc. Um, and that's the fun part about learning about comics, man. I mean, you know, um, you kind of, once you get with your publisher, um, you learn different things. Um, and you know, so the next arcs we'll be doing will be four issue arcs. Um, but th- they're all kind of like mini stories. Um, you know, each one is, is a different kind of mini story. Um, you know, the next one will be blood and dust. Um, uh, the ballad of uh, preacher man and law dog. Um, and then there'll be blood and dust. People are food, not friends. And then <laughs> blood and dust, uh, the life and death of Sadie Mae Cullum. Yeah. It's a great title. <laughs> yeah. Food, yeah. Not friends. <laughs> yeah. That one's, that one's going to focus around the kids and that one's going to be really fun. Um, because that's going to be around the kids. And, and you know, when I, when I told the, the team what it was going to be about and I, I sent it on, um, Raymond, who's a, who's, that's the cool part is, you know, Raymond's, truly a fan as well as an incredible professional. And, um, you know, when he read the book, he just sends back and he's, dude, you have to let me do this, please. This is mine. You, it must be mine. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. You know, it's, um, that's, that's the great piece. So we have so many different cool, you know, characters and arcs and, and things that this can go down. Um, that that'll just be an incredible amount of fun to do and, and, and tell the story. And, and and that's the great thing about you know with Action Lab and Danger Zone that they really gave us the freedom to do whatever we want. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll get feedback or input, and you know my story's not for everybody, and they love stories that aren't for everybody. If you look at their current lineup, like they've got American Bum coming out. When they announced American Bum at, at San Diego, I was like, okay, that is certainly ballsy. What's that uh, one about? It's it's basically a. a um, 
gosh, what did they what did they consider it a crossover as? But it's it's homeless and Fight Club basically. You've got a lot of um, you know bum fights and and things going on that the the story is really about this. It, it was just kind of crazy. I'm not going to do it justice in the one I'm talking about, but. When you, when you see the the kind of stories that they're putting out, you know, and doing the the full moon lines, and um, like I said, the Holy Fuck by Nick Moreno is is brilliantly um, crazy and and actually really in depth and thoughtful, um, which people don't really think about, but it's it is. Um, and, you know, they they go with really cool books, and to be able to be announced with the stuff that they're announced with is it was really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I like that they have their rating system also. That that makes me happy too. So, so when can we expect to see Blood and Dust in the previews? When can people go out and ask their comic shops to order it? Um, we are expecting that we should be able to be in previews. Um, I am estimating in January. Um, Roy's finishing up drawing three right now, um, and then he'll get into four. So we have to have um, issues um, one through four completed before we can go into previews. So I think we should be able to hit that mark by um, the end of this year. And so we're going to previews in January, and that means that you should be able to get the book in May. Well, for any of my listeners out there that uh, want to get this, which you should, it's a fantastic story. Like I've been saying, uh, wait for January and then go to your comic shops and tell them you want it. Uh, order it, support these guys because they're great guys. They have a great company. They have a great story. And uh, I promise you won't be disappointed. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, no problem. And I'll, I'll be happy to retweet you guys and try to spread the word closer to time as well. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your other hobby besides uh, working on comics, which is really more of a job, I suppose. Uh, podcasting. Yeah. So you have your own show called Bamcast, but I noticed you guys haven't done an episode since July. What's going on with that? Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part. Is um, <laughs> you kind of go through. Uh, a lot of work when you put together so many different things. I mean, as you know from putting on your podcast, man, it's uh, it's it's not just something you just pop on and do, you know. And um, you know, just like you said, you know, I have my normal full time job, which is uh, pretty demanding. Um, you know, I work uh, a lot of hours and do a lot of work on a, on a daily basis, just as my regular daytime job. Um, then you know, you combine that with comics at night, um, and uh, you know, all the promotion and everything that you got to do around that. Um, drop in a podcast and, uh, and arranging all of that and everything into that. And you kind of had that, um, that period of, um, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, so I actually did pass out one night, um, because I was so exhausted and so burned after getting back from San Diego, um, that I just had to call it quits. I'm like, you know what guys were, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about picking it up again and just redoing, um, you know, something that I can just kind of do if I can, if I can do with somebody where I don't have to do so much arranging, mm-hmm. um, and bringing everybody in. But it was, it, it was kind of overwhelming. It was a lot of fun and, uh, I love doing it, but, uh, quite honestly, man, it's just too much at, at a time to, to continue to do, um, at the pace I'm doing, I have to really focus on the comics since that's, I have other projects that I'm starting to work on already. Um, so I kind of got to focus on those things right now. I completely understand, but you did have a great show, and I was enjoying it. So hopefully, before too long, we get something going again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, man. You know, we had a lot of fun, and uh, I think we had something to say. But uh, whew, man, um, you got to breathe sometimes. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment. Uh, it was supposed to be Miguel's week to tell a funny story, but since he's not here, I'll be telling the same story he had planned. Because I was there too, which uh, kind of screws him over because now he's got to come up with two new stories for the next two weeks. So 
<laughs> Make him work. <laughs> Make him work, exactly. Uh, so my funny story for the week is about one of our coworkers. Uh, Miguel and I were having a conversation, and Miguel said something about a dirty Sanchez, which, you know, it, <laughs> if you don't know what a dirty Sanchez is, uh, it's a a sexual act um, where a man is having sex with a woman uh, in the rear, and then when he's finished, uh, he he. You mean around the back of the house? No, I don't mean around the back of the house. <laughs> oh, he takes the uh, shit stained. <laughs> And uh, and puts it on her face so it looks like a mustache, and it's called a dirty Sanchez. It's nasty. It's definitely nasty. Uh, anyways, it's one of those things that came from Urban Dictionary. You know, they're full of all kinds of disgusting things like that. But dirty Sanchez is probably one of the more well-known ones because it's been referenced so many times in comedy shows and movies and whatnot. But anyways, Miguel just referenced it. He said something about a dirty Sanchez, and our coworker goes, "Oh, I've had one of those," <laughs> <laughs> and we both just looked at him. And busted out laughing. And he's like, what? Why is that so funny? And we were like, do you not know what a Dirty Sanchez is? And he goes, yeah, it's a taco over at Torchy's Tacos. And we were like, no, it isn't. And he's like, oh, yeah, it is. And I was like, well, I'm sure they have something on the menu called that, which probably is in reference to the other thing. But it wasn't the initial <laughs> origin of that word. And he goes, well, what is Dirty Sanchez then? And I was like, look it up on your phone because I'm not going to tell you in the office. Like, I don't need to try coming down on me or anything. So he looked it up and he's like, oh, that's so nasty. And I was like, yeah, that's why you can't just like loudly proclaim that you've had one. <laughs> I love rusty trombones. Yeah, uh, it was it was hilarious. I'm probably not even doing it justice talking about it. But man, Miguel was laughing so hard he fell out of his chair. And he, was, he had tears running down his face. And, like, it was right at the end of the day, too. Like, the whole day we'd been quiet. We hadn't been talking. We'd been busy on our work and stuff. And then, like, 2.45, 15 minutes before he was about to leave, our coworker said that and just made him almost die. Like, he was still laughing when he was, like, going to his car. He texted me. He's like, oh, my God. And I was like, well, at least you got your funny story out of this. But now he doesn't. Now I do. So <laughs> it's his turn next week to come up with something Snatch. new. Snatch. Yeah. That's what he gets for not being here. Nice. Nice. <laughs> What about you, Mike? You told me you had a, a really good, funny story for us. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be kind of a throwback story. Um, so this was back when I was in the Navy. Um, so, you know, I was uh, 19 years old, and we were on deployment, and we were in Papua New Guinea. So, you know, Papua New Guinea is not a normal Navy stop, uh, nor is it a normal place, man. Papua New Guinea is um, – it is Papua New Guinea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is – it is a, a crazy place. Um, this was 1989. So it really was very third world country, not very developed, not really many nightclubs, um, not really much anything going on. And, you know, 19-year-old young me is, is wanting to kind of get in the mix and kind of get something going on. And so a buddy of mine and I go out and we go to this one of the places that they told us was restricted. It was off limits and we weren't supposed to go there. So obviously that's the place you should go. So we go to this place and we're and we're partying. It's kind of late and um, we're partying and we end up talking with these couple of girls. And uh, this this one I'm talking to, I'm I'm trying to get uh, to go back to her place, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it's getting kind of late. It's like uh, it's about ten o'clock and and Liberty expires at two. So you got to get on the on the boat to get back to your ship at about you know one thirty two o'clock is the last time it goes. So, you know, she's like, okay, come with me. So we end up going and we get in this cab 
And the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of the jungle. I am literally, I have no idea where I am. We are in the jungle. And um, the cab driver's like, you don't want to get out here. This rascal country. You don't want to get out here. Now, rascals were things they warned us about, which are kind of gangs and also been accused of cannibalism and stuff. So Wow, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now it is like probably like it's about to be like 10.30, 10.45, right? So it's pretty late. And we get out of the car and we start walking down this dirt road and I can see these big bonfires going and you can hear people kind of screaming and, and kind of dancing around the bonfires and everything. And I'm like, what the hell? And so we end up going to her little shack, right? And in this place, there's lots of people on the floor and, you know, the family's all sleeping around and everything. I'm like, um, okay, this is kind of weird. And, you know, I talked to her brother for a little bit and then they kind of go into this little section and we're like, um, I got to go because it's, it's now coming up on, you know, like 12, 12, 30 or something. I told the dude, the cab driver, I'm like, meet me back here in an hour. And so he's like, okay. And so, uh, you know, time's coming up, and I'm like, I got to go. I can't stay here. I'm, I'm going to go. And she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, no, I got to go. So come on. I got to go back to the cab. And um, the the cab driver uh, doesn't show up. And the next thing I know, I'm surrounded by this village full of people. And and I was kind of a huskier guy at the time, and people are kind of poking at me and stuff and, and kind of, you know, kind of wanting to tug me over each other this other way. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think I might be getting ready to be eating my cannibals. <laughs> so I'm like, please, God, please get me out of here. Please let me out of here. I swear I will be good. I will never do anything this stupid again. And the girl grabs a hold and she starts pushing him off of me going, no, no, no. I love him. I love him. You leave him alone. You leave him alone. And I'm like, oh, God. And so they actually part and they let me out of there. And this girl, we get out of there. The cab's not there. The roads are empty. It is um, 1 o'clock and I am like, I am going to miss my ship and I'm either going to get eaten or I am going to be AWOL. I am in such deep shit. Um, and so we're walking back and, and literally, uh, man, it is miles away. And um, over the hill comes this car, and it passes us and stops and starts backing up. And I'm like, shit, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. And the dude, uh, he's like, you Navy? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, me Papua New Guinea Navy. You Papua New Guinea Navy. I'm like, let me see your ID card. <laughs> he pulls out a fucking Papua New Guinea <laughs> ID card, he really was in the Papua New Guinea Navy, which I think was fishing boats, but screw it, it worked. Um, and so he's like, you want to ride? I'm like, yes. So I jump in the car and we're, we're driving back in the car and he's like, you want a beer? And I'm like, yes. You want a cigarette? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like 1.45, we roll up on the, on the pier. I'm, I finished my cigarettes, finished the beer. I get out and the last boat is getting ready to go back to the ship. And the girl's like, oh, you come back tomorrow. You come back tomorrow and see me. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. There is no fucking way I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> I get back on that boat and got the hell out of town, man. So, wow. <laughs> Those are your kids, little rascals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It was, it was no alfalfa, um, although scary enough, she did kind of look like Buckwheat. Oh. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was disturbing. Sounds like it. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. So kids, just so you know, don't let your little head think for your big head. 
especially not if you're in Papua New Guinea. It's, uh, it could happen anywhere. Trust me. I've, I've been in more of my shared situations due to the little head. Uh, <laughs> I got him married now. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny, man. That's, that's wild. Uh, in a situation where they're like poking you and like sizing you up for the crock pot. That's a, I, that's the thing that's not a joke or an exaggeration. And they were literally pinching me and stuff. I'm like, I am going to fucking die. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck did I do? That's not a way you want to go. Definitely not. <laughs> no, no. But you know what? Screw it. If you're going to go, that's sure as hell going to be an interesting one. And I'm going to end up in the Beetlejuice waiting room on that one. I'm going to be next to the shrunken head, dude. That's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's awesome, man. Thanks, thanks for telling that one. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to this week's uh, comics, movie, and TV news because there's quite a bit to talk about. Uh, what do you want to go over first? I normally ask Miguel, but since he's not here, I'll let you choose. Oh, gosh. Uh, latest TV news. Um, the Daniel Pennebaker picture from um, uh, being Killer Frost from Flash was interesting. Yeah, that was actually the first one on my list uh, for TV. She looks she looks pretty awesome. Uh, it's not what you'd kind of expect Killer Frost to look like, but it's what you expect her as Killer Frost to look like, I think. Right, right. And and I think it's cool that it's still that's the the cool thing about Flash is it's such a such a real um, tie in to um, the comic. I, I mean, there's no other show as close to the comic on regular television as as Flash, and uh, so they can have a little bit of liberties as far as how it looks, as because you know they're going to do it well. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. She looks pretty awesome. Um, I don't think it's going to actually be the uh, the girl from the current reality, though. I think it's going to be the the version of her from Earth 2. Oh, is that what it's going to be? Because okay. she's, she's too good of a character as the good guy is helping them. And I can't really imagine a scenario that would drive her to become evil, especially after since she's already been through losing her fiancé and all that kind of stuff. I think those are the things that would have driven her to be evil. And since none of that stuff did, what could possibly do it at this point, right? Yeah. But Earth yeah. 2 is a completely different story. I mean, I, I can certainly see her being evil in that reality. So looking forward to seeing that. For other TV news, AMC is uh, premiering the trailer for Preacher during a 90-minute episode of The Walking Dead next week, November 1st. So I know a lot of people are excited about Preacher coming out. Yeah, Preacher, uh, I'm, I'm, I think that's going to be – it depends on how they do it. I mean, you know, I was really excited about Constantine, but wrong network. And, you know, as they've already said, it was the wrong network. So hopefully Preacher won't suffer from the, the same issue. Well, I, it wasn't even just the wrong network. It was the wrong network and the wrong time slot. Like if it had, oh, well, yeah. If it had a better time slot, I think it could have survived. But you, know, you can't put it at what was it, 9 o'clock p.m. on Friday night and expect it to do well no matter what show it is. Yeah, especially the, the, the audience you're trying to get. You know, um, that, that audience is not a Friday at 9 kind of audience, man. No, definitely not. Uh, speaking of, of trailers, though. The official trailer for Jessica Jones was released this week. Did you uh, watch it? I haven't gotten to watch it yet. I've been meaning to jump on there and, and see that one because um, I'm really excited to to check that one out because I don't know anything about the character, but the girl playing the character I loved in um, their, her previous show in um, The Bee in Apartment 23 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. I remember that show. That was actually a great show, and she was really good in it. So yeah. um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she does on this show. Well, the trailer shows you a little bit of Luke Cage. It shows you a little bit of Jessica Jones, and it shows you a little bit of the Purple Man. And uh, the Purple Man actually looks pretty damn intimidating. I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously just a skinny guy in a, a trench coat, but seeing him manipulate people, because there's a bunch of scenes where he's, like, walked into a room full of police officers and said, every one of you put your gun to your head, 
and they've all done it. And he's like, now stand still. And then when she walks in the room, he's like, do what I say or I'm going to kill all these guys. Yeah, the, the David Tennant, who's playing the Purple Man, um, you know, if, if you don't know that, uh, well, I know you know, but, uh, you know, was one of the doctors. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the best, just because of the way he can play stuff off. That little skinny man can be very, very intimidating. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I loved his, you know, look me up moments that he'd have. Um, and, and I think that just comes straight from him and, and his ability to, uh, his acting ability. So I think putting him into the role of the purple man and having that kind of, um, ability to force people to do these things, I think makes him a, an incredible choice for that role. Yeah. He definitely seems like good casting. Uh, you know, she seems great as Jessica Jones and I, I'm really liking the Luke Cage guy too. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but, uh, everything about the trailer got me excited. November 20th it comes out, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have it all watched by November 21st. So, <laughs> Yeah. Interestingly enough, though, did you hear about the thoughts that they may be delaying Iron Fist and changing it out to a Punisher? Well, there's also speculation it might be Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they actually, I think they've announced Moon Knight, but they're ta- what I was reading, and, you know, it's all rumor mill internet stuff anyway. Um, but they're having a hard time nailing down who to, how to do Iron Fist right, and because um, the Punisher's been getting such good, the guy playing the Punisher's been getting such a, a good um, buzz on Daredevil, they're thinking about it would be easier to launch uh, the Punisher and fill that spot that they've got to fill and take the time to develop um, Iron Fist right. Yeah, I mean, I I would be really happy to see a Punisher series. I don't like John Barenthal as an actor. Um, I'm kind of disappointed that he got cast in that role, but I'm hoping that he does it justice because Marvel usually, you know, produces good stuff regardless. So I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I'm not counting it out just yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I have some pretty good faith in it. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen, um, Oh man, I am horrible with names today. Ray, what's this, uh, that played in uh, Punisher Warzone. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, shoot. What is his name? Uh, I can't think of it. Yeah. Uh, plays one of the, one of the, um, Thor's buddies too. Um, but, uh, I loved him and I thought he would have been cool. Um, but you know, obviously I think that was probably too much of a commitment for him. So that was a more brutal version of the Punisher too. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and funny enough. Um, so speaking of Punisher, cause I'll always speak of Punisher. Um, the, uh, speaking of Warzone, directed by, uh, a, a, a woman, and now they've announced that the new Punisher series is being written by a woman. So apparently the ladies are feeling a lot of vengeance when it comes to that character lately. Oh, you mean the comic series? Yeah, the comic series. Yeah, that was actually my comics news, which I'll get to in just a minute. But yeah, but Becky oh. Cloonan is writing it. Um, she's fantastic. I, I love everything she's done. So I'm, I'm sure she will do the character justice. No doubt in I, my mind. I think, it's, I think it's a really awesome step because everything it looks like it'll be a really good choice. Yeah. Uh, so continuing with TV, um, Kurtwood Smith, who you may know as the dad from the 70s show, uh, has been cast as a military veteran Vernon Masters, who's a completely new character in the Peggy Carter series. Kind of an interesting cast addition. Um, Sci-Fi has announced that Krypton, remember they talked about Krypton back in 2014, but we haven't heard anything in a while. Mm. Uh, they're intending to make it be a direct prequel to the Man of Steel movie. Really? Not really sure how they're going to do that, but... Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and then for the CW show Legends of Tomorrow, they've announced that Connor Hawk is going to be a major character in the show. Um, in the comics, that's actually Oliver Queen's son. But in the TV series, they're not going to make that family tie actually exist. He's just going to be a character that's there. He's not going to have any relation to Oliver Queen, which seems like a strange thing to change since they're going into the future anyways. Yeah. But, 
Uh, I guess yeah. I guess they had a need for a Green Arrow character, and you know they wanted to do it without involving Oliver Queen. Strange, but whatever. Uh, so moving on to comics, I guess uh, we did talk about Punisher. Becky Cloonan is writing it. Um, she does a, a series called Southern Cross, which is a horror uh, book set in space. Uh, it's it's a really cool horror series, and and she can definitely do some dark stuff. So I am looking forward to seeing her do the Punisher. Um, and she's doing that with Steve Dillon as the artist, mm-hmm. and he's he's a great artist too. So. Yeah, Very, formerly worked on uh, Punisher Max. Yes, yes. And, um, there's also a few other new series that were announced. Uh, Marvel is doing a mini series called "The Worst X Man Ever." <laughs> it's being written by Max Bemis. Who is, I, is it featuring Jubilee? It's not featuring Jubilee. It's a completely new character. Oh. Um, it, it, but anyway, it's being written by Max Bemis, who did one of my favorite books of last year called "Evil Empire," uh, and it's being drawn by Michael Walsh. And the story is supposed to follow this brand new X-Man who feels like his power is the worst that's ever been given to a mutant. And he wants to find out if he actually is the worst. So he seeks out all the other quote-unquote worst X-Men to try to compare. I can see that being a real fun miniseries. Uh, it, it could be. Did they say what his power is? Did I miss that? They haven't explained any of it yet. Just uh, They gave the character's name, but I don't have it written down. I don't remember what it was. Because when you start thinking about all the different X-Men you've seen over time, there is some pretty lame-ass stuff that uh, that is... You know, Jubilee first comes to mind. Have you read any of the newer X-Men stuff? Have you encountered no. gold balls yet? Gold balls? No, I have not, but now I want to. Uh, I, I, have you encountered gold balls is always one of the lead-off questions anybody should have in any conversation. Have you encountered gold balls yet? Gold <laughs> balls is uh, is an X-Men that generates these balls of gold that he just shoots <laughs> out of his fingertips, and he can use them as weapons and stuff. But uh, oh. he got to choose his own name, and he picked gold balls, and it's... He's really, he's a really funny character. He, he cracks a lot of jokes and stuff. Uh, one of my favorite new X Men, even though his power is kind of cheesy. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. Um, let's see. Uh, Marvel also announced a second Iron Man ongoing is coming, called the International Iron Man, where he's going to try to police the world, which he's already kind of done before. It's yeah. Not that interesting. He's going to go to exotic lo- locales and meet all kinds of exotic women. Maybe he'll go to Papua New Guinea. You never know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there is going to be a second Iron Man ongoing. Uh, and then the exciting announcement for Marvel this week is that they are doing a Nighthawk ongoing and a Hyperion ongoing uh, in 2016. Now, if you've never read uh, Squadron Supreme, you may not know who those characters are, but they're basically Marvel's versions of Batman and Superman. Uh, Nighthawk in particular is one of my favorite Marvel characters. He's such an asshole. He's like, if, if Bruce Wayne just decided to be an asshole to everybody he met, you'd have Nighthawk. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm really looking forward to picking those up. So uh, I don't know any details about them yet. They've announced the writers or artists or any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm excited. Uh, as far as other comic announcements, uh, Bruce Lee Entertainment has paired with Darby Pop Publishing to release a book called Bruce Lee The Dragon Rises, which is a modern-day, all-ages comedy action comic imagining what it would be like if Bruce Lee had never died and he was still alive today. Oh, okay. Uh, his daughter is actually heavily involved in the production of this, so... You, you never know until you see it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if you're a big Bruce Lee fan, I mean, it's probably going to be pretty cool. Uh, lastly in comics, Mark Millar announced that he is producing sequels to several of his series in 2016, including Chrononauts, Jupiter's Legacy, and Hit Girl. And even more interesting than the fact that he's making these sequels... Uh, he's actually not going to be working on Hit Girl. It's going to be a new creative team, although he hasn't said who. But both him and John Romita Jr. are stepping away from the book, and somebody else is taking over. So, not really sure how that's going to go, but 
I'm always happy to see more Hit Girl. Well, did you see that he actually has a contest going? Yeah, he's uh, doing the same thing that Top Cow's doing, Oni Press as well, where uh, new creators can send in their work and, and get the opportunity to have their book published through him. Well, his in particular was that um, he was allowing everybody, and maybe this is where you're getting the, the writer from, because his thing was is um, he was releasing the rights to his characters for people to um, um, do the pitch for and, and pitch to write his characters. Uh, so I, I literally, I, I, you know, because it was like, you know, new undiscovered talent. I'm like, crap, how do I fall into this? <laughs> um, am I or am I not? Shit, I don't know. Um, but, you know, that was, that was a really cool thing because, you know, he was like, you know, you can do Chrononauts, you can do Hit Girl, um, Kick-Ass, but, you know, write, um, you know, writers write like a four-page story, you know, and, and that's kind of the deal and, and send it in. And then he was going to pick and, and choose who was going to do the stories from there. I didn't realize all the details on it, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, it was it was neat. Um, if you go to his website, uh, I don't know if it's markmillar.net or whatever it was, but um, I, I went and looked it over and I'm like, holy shit, man. Um, I just don't know where I fell into that category. And then I fall in the category of I have way too many things on my plate already. <laughs> <laughs> but Oh, and that was a nice thing too is he's going to pay people um, – uh, Marvel DC page rates. Um, so that's the thing is, is he actually, you know, so writers get like $90 a page, um, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth that he kind of lines out there. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think it's great that all these companies, you know, Mil- Miller world included are trying to foster new talent and trying to find the next generation of creators. Apparently the industry has been really hard to break into for a long time. So it's, it's good that these companies, even though they're not the big three, are doing that now and trying to find a way to get people into the industry. Well, it is, man. I mean, it's hard. Um, you know, um, the, you know, especially for writers, man, for me and Adam, when we started, you know, um, nobody looks at a script, man. If you aren't walking in there with enough creds and enough, that's why we did blood and dust in the first place. That was our resume. Mm -hmm. Um, and it still is. And, and that's the thing is that's how everybody breaks in is you break in as an indie, um, and, and you, and you create something or you put something out and then that's, that's how you present yourself when people look at your book and you're okay, you can tell a story um, you can run a team, you can produce on time. Awesome. Let's talk to you about you, about something else. And, um, so for them to, to make that available, cause it's really hard for people to do that, man. I mean, how do you, how as a writer do you put that together? So like when Oni did their contests and, and Mark's doing his and everybody doing that for writers, especially, which is what I am. I don't draw, I can't draw for shit. Um, you need that kind of opening. And, and so it's awesome that they make that available for people. Yeah, I agree. I know a lot of people that submitted and I don't know if anybody's heard back or, or not yet, but if any of my friends or any of the listeners of the show did submit to one of these kind of programs and was accepted somehow, I'd love to hear about it. Uh, so let me know. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to movies, there's only a few things in movies. Uh, Mark Ruffalo confirmed that he's going to reprise his role as uh, banner and the Hulk and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, there's already a rumor going around that he was going to reappear in that movie, but, now it's confirmed. Marvel has released some details about their Phase 2 box set. Apparently it's going to come with a replica of the Power Zone inside of the orb from the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, uh, along with a lot of other Marvel keepsakes like an Iron Man tattoo and some weird S.H.I.E.L.D. agent books and like an exclusive comic book. Um, if you don't already own the movies, it's probably a good thing to pick up, but I can't imagine that anybody waited until I know. the box set to pick stuff up. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's one of those collector bait things, man. You know, if you're a collector, and that's how they get you. Yeah, then you, you end, up, end up buying all the movies twice, and yeah, you know, there's really no resale value on DVDs. I mean, you can get a little bit of return, but 
Oh, oh, well, let's talk about the shittiest one they've done recently, which is X-Men um, Days of Future Past. We're now av- after that shit that they put out the road cut. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not buying that. And I want to see it. But God damn it, I bought it in the first place. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'd love to see it. I, I don't know what the changes are yet. Um, but I've I- heard it's a lot better. And I'm like, well, I like the first one. So God damn it. I'm not going to pay the extra uh-uh. $25 to get the Blu-ray again <laughs> for a movie I already have. Right. And, you know, it basically made your old copy completely worthless. You can't even go and sell that because now there's a better version and nobody's going to want the old one. Well, and, the, and that's the thing with Fox, man. If you remember way back in the day, they did that with X-Men because I own X-Men 1.5. Yeah, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Assholes. Fox sucks. <laughs> they do suck. <laughs> uh, so moving on. Micronauts, the live-action movie, has uh, recruited Tom Whaler, the guy who wrote Puss in Boots, to revise the screenplay. Um, not sure about that choice, but... Uh, yeah, that was certainly interesting. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, did we... <laughs> Whenever you say interesting, I use it like the Chinese curse. May you live an interesting life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you hear me say interesting, that's usually what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think I do that a lot too, actually. <laughs> Are you a big Micronauts fan? I am not. Okay. I read some of it when I was a kid. I still have like the original miniseries or whatever. You know, I liked it. I'd, I'd probably go see the movie when it came out, but uh, I wish that you know they were part of like a bigger universe or that one of the major studios was doing a little more with it or having somebody that has a little more sci-fi experience writing it instead of the guy that did Puss in Boots. But who am I to judge, right? Yeah, because that was such a giant, wonderful movie that we certainly want to give him another shot. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we have the uh, Fantastic Four guy get on it? <laughs> Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> um, back to Mark Millar. Uh, Kingsman 2 has gotten a release date. It's going to come out June 16th, 2017. Did you see the first one? Um, I have it, but it's on my uh, to-watch list. Uh, I think I was getting ready to watch that one here pretty quickly, as a matter of fact. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, I never read the books, but I loved the movie. There's one scene in there where... Uh, one of the Kingsmen, they're like a secret service organization. They uh, they go to like this Westboro Baptist Church, and there's this rage transmitter going off, and this one super trained elite spy assassin guy has to fight the entire Westboro Baptist Church on his own, <laughs> and he kills all of them. I mean, it's it's it, it's one of the most beautifully choreographed violent scenes I've ever seen in a movie, and I, I love it. Uh, I oh think, God knows, I love it. Though. I think you'll love it too. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Uh, and then the last piece of news for the day is that apparently in Captain America 3 Civil War, Baron Zemo is not going to be wearing his traditional mask. He's going to be plain-faced. I don't like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, – so a couple of reasons, and, and I haven't read specifically about this one on the why, but I've read other things where they talked about you, why you see like more and more or less and less of actors like you know Tony um, – um, uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, because uh, when you don't see their face, they don't get paid as much, you know, and so you wonder maybe that's why. Um, I think it's such a uh, – Zemo wears a mask. Why would you and, – and, yeah, it just seems very odd. And maybe it's the whole I want to get paid or want to get promoted more or something. Who knows? Yeah, I just – I don't like it. Uh, whatever the reason is, I think it's it's too far removed from – what's made that character into who he is in the comics yeah. for so long. Like there are things that you can change. There are a lot of things you can change as, as you transition from comics to movies. But sure. I think the costume designs need to stay fairly true to the original. You know, the Hulk can't be purple. 
you know, why should Baron Zemo not wear his mask? It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, what? You know, they've changed enough uh, when they've done it. It doesn't really surprise me, and I'm sure it'll it'll pan out. But it, 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 then why name him Baron Zemo? Yeah, exactly. You know? Why can't he just be Hydra Agent number one or something? Right. I mean, that's, that's the deal is all you got to do is change their name. Why do you have to bring – if you're not bringing him in as him, then what's the point of doing it? Just make it another character. Yeah, I feel the same way. Marvel knows what they're doing. I mean, they've done a great job thus far with everything they've put out. So I I feel pretty confident it'll be okay. It'll be a small thing. And when I'm watching the movie, I won't even care because there'll be so much cool other stuff going on. Uh, But Until he comes on page and then you just get mad. Yeah. Yeah, but as long as it's not. This is so awesome. Damn it. As long as. I swords, love this fucking. <laughs> as long as swords don't come out of his arm and he doesn't start teleporting around the screen and shooting laser beams out of his eyes, yeah. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's it for movie, uh, for news overall. So uh, just want to remind everybody that uh, we have a Patreon going on. So if you go to patreon.com slash comical podcast, support the show. We have some great rewards out there. Uh, you can also go to CafePress.com and buy some Comical Podcast merchandise. We have a ton of stuff. Uh, t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, even dog shirts, as Miguel is so fond of mentioning. <laughs> uh, we also have our 100th episode coming up, uh, three episodes away. We're doing a Q&A. We're doing all kinds of cool stuff. Like We're getting tattoos right before we do the show, so we're going to talk about that. Nice. Um, if you have any questions for the Q&A or you have any comments or you know you just want to tell us we suck or you love us or whatever it is, uh, write to me, write to comicalpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know, and we will read your email live on the air for our 100th episode. Also, please go out and leave us reviews. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can find us at any of those sites. Uh, leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the more exposure we get, the more people find the show. Trying to build up our audience still, so appreciate any help you guys can give us. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash comicalpodcast. On Twitter, I am at comicalpodcast. If you want to follow the Nightshade guys, you can find them at... Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Nightshade. Um, also, uh, NightshadeComics.com, uh, BloodandDustComic.com. And then uh, you can find me on Facebook for uh, Michael R. Martin as well. Don't forget in January to go and look at the previews and tell your comic retailers that you want a copy of Blood and Dust, Life and Undeath of Judd Glenny. I promise you will enjoy the book. You will not be disappointed. And uh, thanks for coming on and doing the show with me, Mike. I'm sorry Miguel wasn't here. Uh, maybe next time. <laughs> Oh no! All good, man. I'm I'm sad about Miguel too. I I, I miss my uh, merman interruption. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, thanks for having us on, man. You guys are always awesome, uh, and always appreciate letting us uh, come on and and, and work, talk with you. Yeah, it's always fun. And that's pretty much it, guys. So you want to close this out, Mike? Uh, for a comical podcast, keep on laughing, bitches. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>